Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. If your go-to card is a debit card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And there are no fees, period. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Just watch me love myself That's all I want Got what I want That's all I want I'm not sorry I'm Claire Fallon And I'm Emma Gray And this is Love to See It, an obsessively detailed recap podcast about reality dating shows like The Bachelor and other pop culture that makes us laugh, cry, and curse the patriarchy. We can't live with these shows and we can't live without them, but we can break down every juicy moment and unpack all the weird messages these shows send us about love, sex, and dating. Welcome to Love to See It, a podcast about dinner parties, denim deke, and disturbing relationship reveals on Instagram. This week, we're talking episode eight of The Courtship and of Temptation Island as both romantic journeys wind closer and closer to their inevitable conclusions. Plus, we're talking about Bachelor season 24 ladies Maddie Pruitt and McKenna Dorn both hard launching their new boyfriends on Instagram with what I would say is mixed success and impact. Yeah, I think that's I think that's accurate. Uh, luckily, we are joined by a very special guest and, frankly, expert to talk <laughs> all about this Bachelor gossip. The reality TV TikToker slash guru, our personal gossip guru, Zachary Reality. Hey, thank you guys so much for having me. Thanks for joining us. We are us. so excited to get into it. Before we get into the more fun stuff, like they're there is no good way to transition in and out of this topic, but mm. we haven't done a podcast since the news broke that the Supreme Court would likely be imminently overturning Roe v. Wade. And so we did want to talk about that um, before we get into the fun stuff, because this is an issue that is feels very um, personal to us, that we're very passionate about, and something that has obviously been weighing on us and, and a lot of people in and outside of our community. So essentially what happened is that a leaked opinion draft uh, written by Justice Alito was published by Politico last week, and it indicated that the court had voted and would be not only stripping away the right to abortion access, uh, but also kind of laying the, the legal groundwork for a really, really brutal rollback of a number of vital rights that have been really hard won. 
rights like contraception access, gay marriage, interracial marriage, access to pornography, things that sort of rest on um, a legal bedrock about the the right to privacy. Yeah, this draft decision really goes in on the right to privacy. And there are a lot of rights that we consider pretty important and fundamental that the Supreme Court decisions um, upholding them rested on a right to privacy. And so this is a really, really terrifying um, potential, you know, draft. If we were to see a similar draft to this be the final decision that's handed down, you know, that would look like the prelude to a really brutal crackdown on a number of important rights. And we're obviously also just like horrified by what looks like a, a very clear new assault on the right to abortion access. I mean, that's an assault that's been ongoing. Um, you know, states have been trying to chip away around the margins, and this would be a green light to push really f- much further ahead with restricting abortion access. Many states already have trigger laws or pre-row laws on the books, which would go into effect the minute that the decision came down and ban abortion in those states. A number of states are also pushing really extreme legislation to cut further and further into reproductive health access and reproductive health care rights. Um, so it's it's a really you know it's terrifying, terrifying moment in what's been like an ongoing terrifying battle for yeah. like reproductive autonomy. And I think that you know neither of us were surprised by this decision um, or by this draft. I don't think that anyone who's really been paying attention to what has been going on in this country is surprised. But I think that that really doesn't change kind of what it feels like when the asteroid that's been like hovering above us plummets to Earth. Like it was, it felt very personal and very painful. And as a privileged white woman who probably will have the resources to, if I needed to, access care within the state I live in, or if that became impossible, then to travel and access care elsewhere. And so we know that obviously the people that are going to be hardest hit by this potential decision, and also who have already been the most deeply, deeply impacted by this consistent chipping away of reproductive access, are people who are under-resourced, people who are of a lower socioeconomic level, people of color specifically. Uh, And that is really fucking disturbing. And we all need to kind of step the fuck up to create a wall of protection around the most vulnerable and to push back against what is going on in this country and demand that the elected officials that we elected, that we hired to do their jobs, fucking do something to protect the people that they are supposed to be serving. So we would really encourage everyone listening to get out there and get involved and donate to local abortion funds, donate to independent clinics specifically that that still exist, and donate to places like Aid Access, which are working to provide uh, medication abortions and make those more accessible. Yeah. Yeah. There there are a lot of ways to be part of helping pregnant people continue to access these resources going forward. And, you know, the decision hasn't come down. If you have an appointment for an abortion, that right is still there. We don't want to create 
a misimpression here, but like as things go forward, as things change, people are still going to need this care. We still need to be able to step up and find ways to both fight on the political and legal front and also to, to provide that care for each other. Um, and on that note, <laughs> there's really no good way to transition out of this back into bachelor gossip, but um, that's what we're going to do now. Uh, a much more fun, lighthearted segment of the show. Let's talk gossip with our special guest, Zachary Reality. Zachary, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Hey guys, how are you? Thank you for having me. Um, I'm definitely the person to talk gossip with. I gossip all day long and I have been my entire life. I love to <laughs> gossip. Just can't stop, won't stop. Oh my gosh, we're going to get along amazingly well then because we too share this love of gossip. And honestly, I have been really following you on TikTok for a while now, getting my morsels of gossip from you, which has been so helpful, especially in putting together these episodes. Anyone who's been listening to our off-season content definitely knows that we often reference Zachary's stellar gossip reporting, and we are excited just to have you with us on the show. First, before we get into the juicy stuff, tell the people, like, how did you get into this line of work? Yeah, well, I've always loved like performing and like entertaining and I grew up acting. But when I went to college, I realized how much I loved journalism. So that's when I decided to major in broadcast journalism and focus on a career in like broadcasting and reporting. And since I've always had a love for reality TV, I kind of was able to put the two of them together. And that's kind of how I started my career and moved to L.A. Clearly, wow. this was what I was supposed to be doing. <laughs> and when I moved to L.A. and the pandemic hit, um, it was really hard to find like different hosting jobs because that's kind of what my main goal was when I moved here. So I had to kind of put matters into my own hands and start my social media and TikTok kind of really started in LA. I feel like before it blew up everywhere else. So I was able to get a early pulse on the app and things just kind of progressively enhanced over time from there. Well, we might need to hire you to give us a TikTok tutorial <laughs> yeah. because I am really trying, but I still feel like an old on that app and it is unfortunate but I appreciate uh, people like you who are doing this essential work. <laughs> yeah, I have always thought about maybe like doing TikTok classes because so many people just like still don't know how to use the app. I would legitimately app. sign up. Yeah, literally. That how, that's how you like become the next like mega influencer, right? You have to start just like becoming an evangelist of your own success. You start being like, how do you become <laughs> a huge TikToker? Take my class, come to my mm -hmm. massive conference. And then suddenly you're writing a book called Girl Wash Your Face. And <laughs> Rachel Hollis is who I'm thinking of. Yes. No, that's, yes. that's, that's the media. That's, that's the business you want to be in right? Selling, yeah. selling the classes. Yeah. Like an hour <laughs> class. Like, I don't know, like a hundred bucks for an hour. I'll teach you everything you need to know. That's it. That's a bargain. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'll, I'll expect something else in return too on the right. side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have to provide a, a piece of tea or a, mm -hmm. a, a pot of piping hot tea in you, order to get access to your skill set. You definitely need tea in order to even, you know, talk to me. I mean, one time I was at a bar last week and this girl wanted to talk to me and she starts giving me like all of this tea on one of the guys who's going to be on the next season of The Bachelorette. So I'm drunk and I'm just like taking out my notes app, writing this all down. <laughs> 
And I'm like, perfect. I'll use this in three to four months. And I'm like, it's going to be a non anyway, because I'm not going to remember meeting you. But this is perfect. You can, I'll get you a drink. Welcome to my table. This is like a great glimpse into the process. Okay. Mm-hmm. You can't just drop this. Um, can you give us any little bit of morsel about this gossip that you got at the bar? I mean, I, it's on my notes app. So thank God I wrote it down. Um, basically, this girl was just telling me like a date or two. She went on with Jason A, who is already one of my favorites for next season. Um, but we'll have to kind of revisit it when it's need appropriate. And it's just not, you know, it's not it's on a need to know basis. <laughs> we don't need to know. We just really want to know. We just desire yeah. to so, know. So but we'll have to what wait. you're saying is he seems good. I think so. Okay. Yeah, I think um, we'll get to it when it comes because, like, I really do want to, like, see what he's like on the screen. But, and I actually, like, don't remember off the top of my head exactly, but, like, it's in the notes app. So it's stored away, like, it's in a perfectly safe place. But all I know is she went on, like, a date or two with him before the show. I don't think it's, like, a cheating situation or anything like that. So we're, we're rooting for Jason A. I would just okay, love to love hear it. some tea someday that's like, I went out with this guy who was on The Bachelor and he was like so nice and he helped me like get my car fixed and that's it. There's yeah. nothing terrifying attached to his name whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, nice, stuff. nice tea is still tea, even if yeah. it's like good, positive things. It's like inside information and it's still like, you know, fun to gossip about. I totally agree that it is a misconception that all gossip has to be negative really fun gossip can be super positive. So what is your relationship to The Bachelor specifically? Because I know that you, you know, talk a lot about The Bachelor, but you also talk about the Netflix reality Mm -hmm. shows and Kardashians, like you do it all. Yeah, I love all reality TV, but I think with The Bachelor, it's always just been my guilty pleasure, my favorite. It's been the show that I've been watching For the second longest, because I started Survivor when I was six, I started Bachelor at 10. So I always just felt so close to the show. Even before I started doing content and social media, like all my friends always knew in high school and college, like how much I ride and died for this show. I think that's kind of why I started to do Bachelor content and like make it my main thing. And then also it's kind of like my niche and my fan base is a lot of Bachelor but I really do a lot of reality TV content. I, but I would just say Bachelor has always been my number one. Bachelor Nation is really devoted. I'll say that. Like, they mm. want the tea and they want it year round. They don't take breaks. <laughs> Bachelor Nation is a full-time job. I mean, just keeping up with it, being a part of it, it's a lot. And it's been don't fun to kind of... Yeah. And it's been fun to kind of get in, like, hang out with like people and like get involved in like social media, like community and stuff from like growing a platform on TikTok, because I didn't have a lot of friends that like love The Bachelor when I was like in college and stuff. Yeah, this is like the, the TikTok is the new like um, going on live journal and like getting in a fandom community on live journal, which is what they were doing when I was a kid. Um, it was a different time. So what are the biggest stories that you're tracking in Bachelor Nation right now. Like, what are the things that you're really keeping an eye on? Well, I definitely am trying to keep an eye on Bachelorette spoilers and like what's going on with that. Um, I think kind of like as a journalist, I'm really just focusing on like what new episodes are out for whatever shows are on, as well as what's in the news. So if like a relationship breaks or there's like a drama, I don't necessarily like look for things to talk about. I kind of just wait for them to pop up. 
or for someone to DM me some information. Um, but with The Bachelor not being on right now, I've been really focusing a lot of my content on other shows like Selling Sunset and The Ultimatum. It kind of feels like we're in the middle of this long, dry spell. And I know everybody asks for a break from The Bachelor, but now that we have it, I'm like, <laughs> when is it coming back? I know. <laughs> this yeah. is too long of a break. I wanted a, a small break. What I would like is a regular short break. Not once a year, three months, but just like three weeks every four months. I don't think that's a lot to ask. Yeah. Um, but it's not what we're getting. This is a long break, which I think was needed because the last like four seasons were like back to back to back. But I think we're going to get a lot of Bachelor this year. I think The Bachelorette's going to air Paradise which I have some tea on. And then I heard they're casting for The Bachelor right now. They're in like the final stages and they're set to film in September. So, I mean, I think we'll get another Bachelor season in January next year. Pumping yeah. it out. Yeah. What tea do you have on BIP? I what mean, do, what do we have to know? <laughs> you can't just keep teasing yeah. us like that. Oh my God. I mean, from what I've heard, it's happening in June. And I mean, a lot of people are planning on going and it seems like people are really open about like going on like all the podcasts whenever they do interviews. So I feel like we have a pretty good idea on who's going to be there. And I mean, I'm assuming that Wells Adams is going to be the host, but I don't yeah. think it's announced yet. So we'll wait for that. But I mean, the tea on BIP will really start rolling once they go into filming because we'll be able to know who's there and who's not pretty easily. Yeah, totally. Are there any potential couple predictions you have anyone that you're super excited to see on the beach it's hard because like we don't want like it's hard to like shit people already because then they could get the brendan and piper edit and then like we're gonna end up like That's hating true. them and they're gonna be villainized like i would love to see genevieve and aaron kind of explore that and i mean mm. i would love to see serene and brandon Teddy and Andrew are like kind of saying they're into each other without actually saying. So, I mean, I think we just have to see what happens when everyone gets down there. Um, I can't wait for Paradise. It's like the best show of the year. Yeah. The best the best part about Paradise to me is always the unexpected love story. So I'm really excited to see who just like completely like Crystal and Goose. I mean, mm -hmm. who saw that coming? I certainly no one. Not. Nobody saw that coming. <laughs> I did see the divorce coming, but yeah. Ooh. <laughs> um, it should have happened yeah. on camera. Spicy. They did the wedding on camera, the engagement. I mean, I don't know why they didn't do the divorce on camera. I agree, frankly. It I would only be fair. There should be more reality shows about divorce because I don't think that most of us get the information about divorce that we need from our entertainment. Yeah. That's why we will be watching JoJo and Jordan's <laughs> exactly. new show about divorce couples. I'm excited for that as well. I am too. Uh, we're definitely going to be seeing if we can cover it because I'm fascinated by the whole concept. All these shows that are coming out that, I mean, Temptation Island has been doing it for a while, but The Ultimatum and now this show that are just like, yeah, what if we leveraged your existing deep-seated emotional investment in someone into drama that sounds even more painful than what we normally do in dating shows? It works. It's, it's so evil, and yet it's actually so brilliant because it does pack a really intense emotional punch that you just like simply can't get when people are just meeting each other for the first time on camera. Better to just like dig the knife into that pre-existing years long buildup of emotional yeah. scar tissue. Did you guys ever watch Marriage Boot Camp back in the yes. day? 
that show was so good. They would find couples and like sometimes couples from The Bachelor, like reality couples, and then like have them dive into their problems. And if they want to get married or divorced. And I mean, that was like TV gold back in the day. Yeah, I remember watching that because Juan Pablo was on with Nikki. And in retrospect, I'm like, they weren't even together for that long. No, they were on couples therapy. Oh, they were on couples therapy. Which was um, very similar, but different. Clearly, I'm not an expert. That was for like, if you're going to get married at the end. But yeah, him and Nikki were on that. I mean, they were never going to last. But I did see that they posted on social media together like last year that they were meeting up as like friends. I was like, I love this. Now can we get Juan Pablo and Claire to meet up? (laughs) Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I would uh, be shocked. Okay, so there are a couple stories that we wanted to discuss um, before we let you go. There were two hard launches in the last week from former Batch people with their new non-Bachelor Nation boyfriends. Actually, both from season 24, from Peter Weber's season, Madison Pruitt. Uh, the woman that he wanted to pick, but he also wanted to have sex. And she was like, you can only have one of those things. And also McKenna Dorn, who was a more minor player on the season. But Madison announced her new boyfriend in an Instagram post that looks a lot like an engagement announcement post. Like they did a couple's shoot. They're both wearing white. They're doing like the prom, like he's hugging her from behind is it pose. engagement or is it just godliness? It's both. You know, it's a <laughs> very godly. <laughs> Who wears a matching outfit for, for photos with someone they've been dating for five months? I mean. All the highs and the lows. I didn't even like realize that until I made a TikTok, like reading her caption and everyone was commenting like a girl needs to calm down. How many highs and lows could there be in five months? Um, it definitely was like. um, different of an announcement. Like the way she kind of phrases things has always been a little odd to me, but I think that's just like her thing, which is why I don't follow her. But I mean, I can support from afar. I think it's like evangelical speak. Well, it's, it's a mix. I want to read a little bit of her post and I, I'm going to read some of Grant's too. I struggle to even read it because it sounds so bad when I say it, because they're both using like a lot of AAVE, like, and they're so white. Okay, so it's she's so says, awkward. So now y'all know I got the realest G in town. Oh God, I'm already. I'm like crawling out of I my skin already. I feel very uncomfortable saying this. And then she starts doing the evangelical thing, like Grant Michael Trout, so full of passion and purpose and joy. I'm proud I get to do life with someone who loves Jesus and people like you do. There, people are always doing life together in in Instagram captions. A whole life in five months. It's, Dude, I'm impressed. Life, this game of life. <laughs> the past five months have been the best and wildest adventure, full of highs and lows. I will say if there are a lot of lows at five months. Like, it's supposed to be happy. Yeah, this is supposed to be <laughs> yeah, the like, non-low This is the time. honeymoon stage, man. She's just used to The Bachelor, where like there actually is a lot of highs and lows in five months. <laughs> in, like, in like five weeks. Yeah, on five days. That's why, she, that's why she thinks it's she can like do an entire life with him. But she has a lot of fans. I mean, I've literally never followed her. And like, I read every Bachelor book or I have in like the past year or two. And like, I like did not want to buy her books. So like, she's not for me. Not saying like, I don't not like her, but like she has a lot of followers and a lot of fans. Oh, yeah. Her her fandom is very much in a different subset of Bachelor Nation than I think ours um, on the podcast, because it is the side of Bachelor Nation that's like, 
very evangelical and very like she lived her faith out loud in public mm-hmm. and like she's my icon of godliness and um, I want to be strong in my purity like Maddie. And that's just like not really our flavor <laughs> of Bachelor, but it's a big part of Bachelor Nation. For oh, sure. yeah. Yeah. And so she has a huge following. I do wonder how many books she sold. I feel like it doesn't always translate. But <laughs> Books are very hard to sell. I didn't hear her on the New York Times bestseller, <laughs> so I don't know. But I think she did pretty well. We know Hannah Brown got on that. Was that all from the caption that you were going to read? Is that it? No, there's so much more. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> what else have we got? It's been special since the first date when you forgot to open my car door because we were both so nervous when we barely touched our quesadillas at dinner because of our deep convos and intentional questions. And then ending the night riding around listening to Drake in the car on full blast for hours. You're my best friend, my favorite hello, my hardest goodbye. There's nobody else in the world like you. Let's keep dreaming, vibing, serving, and loving. That is a list of actions. Wow. That is so cringy. <laughs> it's very cringy and it does feel very Maddie. And to be clear, like we love to see anyone happy and thriving in a great relationship. So no shade to that part of the announcement. But there's some cringe moments. And I think it feels extra weird when you dig a little bit into who her boyfriend Grant is and what he posted. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And can I just say that, like, I don't have a boyfriend. I've never had one, but I already have my Instagram caption picked out and it is a lot shorter than that. (laughs) Yeah, like, there's no benefit to making it that long. It's just more stuff for people to make fun of. (laughs) Like, why are you giving us material? Um, To be honest, like, keep it short I feel like Anna did the right thing, which was just, like, hard launch photos. Yeah, yeah. You just gotta just gotta make it clear what your intention is and leave it at that. But Grant, uh, Madison's new boyfriend, Grant Trout with three T's in there. It's truly the whitest name I've ever heard in my Madison entire life. Madison Trout. I've never seen a whiter looking guy. Like he looks like he was born wearing boat shoes. It, there's just like and khakis. He just has, and khakis. And he is the son of a billionaire named Kenny Trout who made his fortune in like a long distance phone service multi-level marketing company that is now defunct but he has a a billion dollars yeah all i heard was he makes a billion dollars so good for her um (laughs) i mean that's a lot of money and i feel like the kid always ends up money inheriting a lot of scam money if she wasn't already making enough like now she's set for life i think she's gonna marry him i mean the photos say she's going to marry him. Like, those are, again, those are engagement announcement photos. She's ready to commit her life to this. Well, she's also just ready to have sex. I mean, I would I, be, I don't blame her. Yeah, I'd be it's, like, I thought it was going to happen two years ago with this guy, Peter, and then that went to hell. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and apparently this guy's a born-again virgin, so he's probably ready as well. It's, it's Yeah, that's, that's such a thing, too. Sean Lowe made it a thing. I feel, yeah. I've, I'm not going to go into that because it's not it's not a sec, a segment of Christianity that I'm super experienced in, but it doesn't surprise me. Uh, Grant's caption was somehow worse than Maddie's. He wrote, I, I feel like really hum- like embarrassed reading this, um, but I have to do it. He wrote, <clears throat> uh oh, 
So kind of got something I've been keeping on the low, low, my shoddy Madison. Crazy how fast five months has flown by. You have, <laughs> my God, I'm like, I can't even focus my eyes on this. You Read it in smile. like a poem. Read it theatrically. <laughs> there, It's already so similar. It's already mirroring each other. The way he's like shoddy and she's like my G. Like they oh definitely pick these out together. Maybe she wrote his and he wrote hers. They both were just like listening to a lot of Drake and just like vibing and being like, this is just like us. This vibing. So us. Serving. Serving. Loving. Yeah, vibing get it right. Serving. You make me smile like nobody else. You have an infectious laughter and joy about you that is so attractive to the world. You love people fiercely. I've never met somebody that walks with such grace and beauty. You seek to honor God with all that you are. You inspire me to be better. I laugh hard with you and have also cried deeply with you. Been in some really awesome highs with you and had some really hard moments too. You know what? This is sounding really similar. You're my first call through it all. You're by my side. I'm so glad I met you. Lil Maddie Rose, lion emoji, smiling with the tongue sticking out emoji. Hand in hand, my ride or die. I've enjoyed every second of this ride. Could write a book on what I've learned from your heart, but I'll save that for another time. For now, just know, like Drizzy Drake said, I got Z's for these other girls. I'm sleepy. <sighs> Is this the personality now? It's like he listens to Drake. Yeah. You're like, you know he's a good man because He listens Drake? to Drake. It's a lot. I mean, especially because we didn't even know they were in a relationship and they're like, I mean, I guess she is like such a public figure. So it's just like a lot at once. Um, I do believe that sometimes we read things differently than they're like meant to be writ, 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 like read. Like if you ever read a text and you like interpret it differently. So I don't know how she's saying it. Like maybe she's like laughing or something, but it definitely <laughs> seems like a really long caption that is just a little extra. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely feel like it could have done without like so much sort of appropriative language. It's just not a great look, especially because in his Instagram post initially, he included like a photo of them with two little kids uh, who are both black, who are like mm. not identified. Like, and she has also had a history of like kind of using photos and stories of her working with underprivileged children and sort of talking about them kind of dismissively or with unkind language as a way of like demonstrating her sort of charity. And it's just, there's a history there with her. And there's also just like broadly a very painful history with, you know, treating children sort of like props in this way to be like, I'm a good person. We do good things together. Look at us. Um, he did like after criticism go private and then he went back public with that photo removed and mm. now he's private again, I think. So they're having a good weekend. I checked this morning and he was public again. So he's he, clearly he going probably in just out. had to like clear out like more controversial <laughs> posts from his Instagram and then he's ready to go back public, which he should have done before he originally posted the picture with Maddie and they went public together. Clearly they prepared for this for five months. So I think he should have <laughs> checked his social media before. Um, but that just kind of shows that he just wasn't very aware. Yeah. It's, he was caught up. He was caught up in those five months together and all the highs and lows and wasn't purging his Instagram feed. He's like, but then I posted the Instagram and then I was criticized. And then it gave us yet an another opportunity to cry together. So 
and vibe together. Was it a good They're going to get criticized either way. So, I mean, I recommend just deleting the app if you need like to not look at comments. If you're getting, if you're like, getting a lot of criticism, just delete the app for a couple of days and you won't care as much in 48 hours. I honestly, I want to delete the app so that I don't have to see things like this anymore. That's kind <laughs> of where I'm at right now emotionally. I'm sticking with TikTok. You can get all you need to know on TikTok as well. It is actually true. (laughs) McKenna, on the other hand, uh, released her new boyfriend, Lyndon Anger. And neither of them did anything questionably racist or appropriative in that announcement. So because it was short. Well done. That's what you got to do. Keep it short to avoid doing racisms. Yes. And hard launch. (laughs) He kept his profile private. I think that was the move also. So. Good job, McKenna. Congrats um, to to both of you on your new relationships. Two very different approaches here. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. I also want to talk about Tasha, who uh, responded in a really lengthy comment to an Instagram user who wrote something that I'm sure that person potentially thought was well-meaning, um, but triggered something pretty intense in Tasha. A commenter wrote on one of her Instagram posts, so nice that you're in a happy place. You do you. You deaf took a detour from the road you were on of wanting to be married and starting a family. It's not for everyone. So it's good that you realize your career is more important before you got married. Can you imagine how much more difficult that would have made things? Wow. And I just want to say, I personally take offense at this entire <laughs> comment. Me too. I completely understand why Tasha had a strong reaction to it. It was perhaps like, something that this person thought was kind maybe, but it reads as incredibly condescending and weirdly suggesting that wanting a family or wanting a partner is somehow mutually exclusive from wanting to be professionally successful or wanting to pursue those things. And also suggests that like an individual has a lot more control over finding a healthy romantic partnership than Mm -hmm. I think anyone does. Like that is something that can be really challenging for a lot of people. Like I spent many, many, many years (laughs) dating largely unsuccessfully. And that is, was a very like frustrating and touchy spot for me. Um, And so I actually love that Taysha responded to this. She wrote, did I take a detour or am I just living and enjoying my life in its current season? I still want marriage and to start a family more than anything. So what I believe you meant in referring to what I quote realized is actually wanting to be in a healthy supportive relationship, all simultaneously being a successful woman, a cohesive unit, not one or the other. I think some of you fail to remember that I started this at the very beginning of my journey. I want to build an empire. I want to go after my dreams. And I want my partner to be supportive of that as they follow their dreams as well. And I love that. And I think yeah. it's it's true. Like these things are not mutually exclusive. And also just like don't condescend to people that you don't know personally about their professional and especially romantic lives. A lot of people take Mm -hmm. it very personally when women in Bachelor Nation do not immediately get married and have babies after the show. And instead they like leave their jobs and like become television presenters. And it's like, how dare you Mm -hmm. (laughs) be doing that? Yeah, well, I think a lot of people just watch the show like, 
thinking it's still all about love. But with this situation, it seems like this was like the comment that like broke the camel's back for Tisha because she's been getting criticism for a while since she left the show about or left the franchise, like the podcast or whatever, about like her career and things. And, you know, it didn't work out with Zach, which everyone was really disappointed about. So, I mean, this was just that one comment that just set her off. And it's good. I think sometimes you have to set the haters straight sometimes. You know, Khloe Kardashian does this a lot <laughs> on her Twitter because people just like come up with these random scenarios and narratives and they're too invested in your lives. And sometimes you just need to set them straight. And that's what she did. I don't think she needed to do that, but I don't think she needs to address any other haters in the future. But I like this, this approach that she gave. Um, and I also do think there is a little taboo with Tasha because she really is very closed off. I think she is one of the more popular stars we're most invested in. And we really don't know a lot about her relationship when, why it ended. And like, she doesn't do a good job of talking, I think directly to fans like she used to. I feel like there's a real disconnect recently. Yeah, there might be some sort of sensitivity there because people were so invested in that relationship and it was very like, um, explosive when it ended and then people come up with their ideas of like what they assume must have happened and it, I'm sure my reaction would be to never speak to anyone again. That would be very uncomfortable. Yeah, I think it's definitely something that we see with these big public figures who sort of feel like they need to draw a really clear boundary and almost take space from sharing those pieces of their lives with the fans because as you said, people can get a little bit over-invested. And I think at a certain point, like, that commentary must just become really exhausting and really almost oppressive. So I respect her and applaud her for drawing any boundaries she needs to, but I did appreciate this message because I think it's something that probably resonated with a a lot of women um, who follow her. Oh, for sure. I mean, you can have a career. You can almost control your career more than you can control your left life. Kind of what you were saying, Emma, like you can push for the stars and try and make a name for yourself in your career, but you can't help who you fall in love with and like when you fall in love and if that relationship is meant to be. So, I mean, I'm happy to see Tasha thriving, you know, on her own. Um, but we do miss her, you know, in, in the bachelor bubble. I agree. Yeah. I hope I hope that it continues to or feels again like a, a safer space for her um, as as she sort of heals <laughs> from the breakup and everything that went along with it. But I did enjoy this glimpse of, of what she was really feeling. And I really enjoyed talking gossip with you, Zachary Reality. Thank you so much for joining us. This was a blast. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me. Please come back uh, when you can deliver us. Some of this Bachelorette and Bachelor in Paradise tea. We will be waiting on tenterhooks for that in the coming months. Um, And yeah, you are welcome back on the show anytime. Awesome. Yeah, I would love to come back. And yeah, lots of Bachelor content coming later this year. So super much looking forward to it. Yay. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back to talk about episode eight of The Courtship. Can you keep up? I like love it. 
If you're a wine lover, here's a little secret. There is a personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks. It's called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to discover new wines you're guaranteed to enjoy. To start, you just answer a few questions on their website about what flavors you like, how often you drink wine, and if you prefer red, white, or rosé. As always, I love a quiz. (laughs) And based on the answers that you give, First Leaf curates a really amazing selection of wines. Just for you. Later, when you rate those wines, your wine selection gets even more tailored. Choose when the wine is delivered and how often to get new assortments of wine. If you want wine pairing advice or to talk about the wines in your box, you can always speak with one of their First Leaf experts. As someone who loves wine but really doesn't know much about why I like certain bottles and what it goes with, this is such an incredible way to get to know your own taste in wine better. I know. I totally agree. I got to try the Chenin Blanc from South Africa that is part of First Leaf's premium wines collection, and it was so good, and it was not something that I would have necessarily picked out myself a quiz, and good wine? I mean, everyone's winning here. (laughs) Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash LTSI to get your first box. That's T-R-Y firstleaf.com slash LTSI. Tryfirstleaf.com slash LTSI. I am someone who is perpetually facing the issue of my closet is messy and full, and yet I feel like I have nothing to wear. Mm. But Quince has been an absolute game changer for my style. Same. If I really need a new luxury basic, I know where I'm going to find one that is going to fit the bill, work for a lot of different occasions and styles. And I'm also going to stay on budget, which is a huge plus. They have items like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for just $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. The best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passing uh, and passes the savings on to us. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love Quince for their wardrobe basics. Like I have a really amazing leather blazer from Quince, Ooh. but I also have gotten really into like their luggage and travel accessories. I just purchased an incredible like neoprene weekender bag, and it is such high quality. The color is beautiful, and I spent about half as much as I would have spent on a very similar product from a fancier brand name. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash LTSI for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash LTSI. Anyone who's been listening to this podcast for a while or even not that long knows that we love article. I mean, honestly, I'm looking around my home right now. Coffee tables from article. That lovely chair out on my deck. Article. Our big console. Article. I'm My bed frame. Article. This is an article household. It is. And it's, I mean, it was an inspiration to me. We finally got our first article piece of furniture recently, our new couch. And 
my husband and I are both constantly just like, how did we live before this couch? This is such an improvement over what we had before. It's so comfortable. It just seems to get more comfortable every day. I mean, it's the couch you dream of. And the reason that we have both been able to find ideal furniture on Article is because Article believes in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their online-only model, they have some really delightful prices, too. Their curated assortment of mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandi, and boho designs makes furniture shopping simple. And their team of designers are all about finding that perfect balance between style, quality, and price because we all want the best of all of those three things united in one piece of furniture, right? Plus, they're dedicated to thoughtful craftsmanship that stands the test of time and, you know, looks good doing it. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash LTSI and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash LTSI for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. And we are back to talk about the courtship, which really at this point, I feel like it has finally hit its stride. I'm invested in these relationships and I really want to know who Nicole's going to end up with. I know. And like, I can't tell how long it's going to take for us to find out. Like the pacing of the show is like confusing me. I'm like, are there 10 episodes? Are there 12? Are there 15? I have no idea. She posted uh, Nicole on social the other day after episode nine came out, like only five left. And I was like, men are episodes. Like, I'm so confused. <laughs> Some weeks, no one goes home. Other weeks, three people go. It's just like a lot's happening. So at this point, we open episode eight with eight gentlemen left, I believe. And... We start the episode in the gentleman's quarters with Mr. Mumbre and Mr. Nazaire, the two Londoners and old rivals. There's some sort of secret beef between them from their past lives. And they're having a a proxy fight through through the game of chess. <laughs> As you do. As you do. And their goal, of course, is to steal the queen, who symbolizes Ms. Remy. And... Mr. Mumbrae is like, I have to win because there's only room for one British person on this show at any given time. And I felt pretty good. It was me. And now there's another one. I'm like, uh. I love that this is now his thing. He's like, the problem here is not my connection with Ms. Remy. It's that there is another man with a British accent. Right. I'm like, what What do you think? So your pre-existing plan was to just coast on being British until... The end? Did you think a British person had to win the show or you just thought you were guaranteed a spot until finals? Um, but now he's like, there can only be one and it must be me. <laughs> Meanwhile, the parents of Ms. Remy have returned from their journey around the Lake District or whatever people do uh, when they take a break <laughs> in in the Regency. And I hope they got to go tour around. yeah. That's, that's, this is my, you know, whenever some adults go away for a while in an Austin novel, it's because they're touring the Lake District. Um, and so they return and they get all caught up on who's been sent home, which of their beloved boys. They're really just like, except for Mr. Wilkikio, they basically are ready to adopt any of these boys. So whenever <laughs> they found out that someone went home, they're like, oh, oh, no, oh, I'm going to miss him so much. They're very accepting. 
they also learn that Mr. Nazaire has arrived. And Mr. Remy is pretty excited because he speaks un peu de français and he hasn't been able to practice in a while. So his he luck is about to great. change. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was like un peu. And I was like, you said a whole I was like, sentence. This is a, yeah, I was like, this is not a little French. When I please. say un peu, I mean that I can just say un peu and yeah. also bonsoir. And that's like about <laughs> it. French class was like first thing in the morning in college. And I just like didn't make it very often. I lived in French Canada for four years and my French is completely abysmal. So look, some of us just don't have a mind for languages <laughs> and the Remy's clearly do. And I'm jealous. Mm-hmm. And so does Mr. Nazair, who, who, you know, we see some more, some more demonstrations, some more flexes during this episode. And we're going to see, we're going to see this play out at a dinner party. That's the big full group event of the episode, Mr. Cones, when he finds out it's going to be a formal dinner party, is like flop sweating. He's like, we've had so much training for this Regency era, which I have to say, have they? Like, evidence not no. found. <laughs> um, but he's like, I've never been to a formal event like this, which is fair. I think that the only like formal quote-unquote formal dinners I've ever been to have been weddings. And, like, no one's actually paying attention to your etiquette at a wedding. No, I have not had my pretty woman moment where I need to conscript a fancy man to teach me which fork... (laughs) A fancy man. ...is the salad fork. (laughs) A fancy man (laughs) who perhaps works at a hotel. Uh, Who can uh, say? (laughs) So poor Mr. Cones is, like... Got to get my head in the game. I'm going to I'm going to find a way to to handle this. And he tries too hard. Honestly, he could have just sat back and followed what everyone else was doing with their forks and knives. And instead, he's like, I have to do the fanciest thing that one can do. I have to make a toast. Poor Mr. Cones. He 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 like just had such a mission. It's that thing where you decide you're going to do something. You're mm. like, this is it. This is what I'm doing. And then you get in your own way because you don't pay attention to any of the social cues occurring around you. It's like you're just so anxious that you don't miss an opportunity to do the thing, that you're, like, extremely jumpy. And, like, the minute that an opportunity is presented, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's me. And everyone's like, no, this actually was not the moment at all. Um, you need to sit down. So when he, what he does is he waits for someone else to bring up the idea of a toast. Mr. Remy rises to make a toast. And he's like, oh, my God, toast. Toasts are happening. Toast. And he's like, I, I would also like to make a toast. And Mr. Remy is like, well, I'm standing. I'm literally making one right this? now. I'm mid-toast. <laughs> Everyone is just like aghast. Including, frankly, Mr. Cones, once he realizes <laughs> oh, yeah. very quickly what's happening. But he can't. That's you can't problem. turn back now. It's like often you realize right away, but you're like, I've already said, and I would also <laughs> like to make a toast. And you're standing and you look around and you're like, oh, this was not the right oh, time, no. but I'm here already. Mr. Remy graciously is like, all right, uh, Mr. Cones is going to make a toast. And then I would like to invite Mr. Nazaire to address us. And Mr. Cones is now so rattled that he can't even really string together four sentences for a toast. I assume he prepared something in advance or it would have been even more of a disaster. But he's basically just like, I would like to make a cheers to the Remy family and all that they are and what an honor it is 
to know them and if it's me at the end to know them even more oh god it was so bad poor mr cones poor mr cones because i really love mr cones he's a wonderful guy he just like this is like the thing about etiquette is that it exists for a, a reason right and one reason is to make people everyone possible comfortable in a social setting another reason is to like maintain unnecessary social hierarchies (laughs) um and now we see just a moment where etiquette is creating a situation where someone is just really uncomfortable and embarrassed and it's for no good reason they didn't do anything like hurtful or malicious but um he's he's not showing himself to advantage mr nazaire then gives his toast and he in does French. so entirely in French. It's getting a little showboaty for me. Like the uh, most he, of the other people present, Mr. Nazaire is a showboat personified. Yeah, like that is his entire personality. In fact, I think we have a quote for that from Mr. Nazaire. He says, "There is a certain way I present myself, and it's what I do. It's what I do best." <laughs> He's like, "I am." All surface, yeah. All presentation, <laughs> no substance necessary. And just look at his Instagram. That's, he takes presentation seriously, and that, I have to respect that. That is his. <laughs> that is his career. That is the overlap between what his Chiron labels him as a socialite and his current profession of an influencer. <laughs> it's all just about being really good at presenting yourself in a certain way, and he raises it to an art form. Ms. Remy says. Miles is a renaissance man, and I just want to enjoy her definition of a renaissance man. He speaks languages, is proper, and knows how to conduct himself in different social situations. Leonardo da Vinci is rolling over in his grave at this definition. This is like the opposite of a renaissance man. Oh, my God. He can do it all. He can dance and be polite in company. It's just so fun. I feel. I mean, listen. I don't think that like the kind of social grace that that Miles presents is super valued anymore. Like in a sense that there used to be like a whole class of people that it was their whole job to just be good at that stuff, and that's not really how American society is structured. And so it is kind of like, oh wow, he's really good at this stuff that everyone around me is just bad at, and it's wild to see that I completely understand. It's just that it's not exactly what I would term a Renaissance man, but it is still, um, it's impressive in its own way. And uh, (laughs) it's what you get when you grow up across from Saint-Tropez. And it also earns him an invitation to the parlor for some games. And Mr. Remy is a big fan, which I am not always sure if the, the Remy's have the best taste. They're I like, actually I love feel Mr. like Nazaire, and they like, tend to love the people that I'm like, you certainly will not end up with Nicole. Yes, exactly. Like all of their favorites thus far have been sent home. Yeah, it's just people they would like to like sit next to at a dinner party. And I'm like, yeah, but is that the person who's the best? Mr. Remy's like, I time? am actually really trying to brush up on my French. So this would be helpful. To be fair, I also don't think Mr. Bocchicchio is a great match for Nicole. And they agree with me on that one. Um, but speaking of Mr. Bocchicchio and Mr. Nazaire, they are both among the four gentlemen invited into the parlor for parlor games with the two damsels, Ms. Remy and Ms. Cleary, for 
sort of just like a drunken game, a, a drunken night of, of party games, basically. It looked fun. Yeah. There's, this is their opportunity to let their hair down, do some racy stuff. Apparently some Regency parlor games could be pretty naughty. Like there could be like kissing involved or like contact that would otherwise be considered very improper. They play one game that appears to be real called Poor Kitty, in which one person pretends to be a cat and goes up to each person and meows. And the person I loved this. has to pet them and say Poor Kitty without laughing. It's actually a hilarious game. And it's, I honestly, was like, this is bizarre and not something that you would normally see on a reality show. And I was like just delighting in Mr. Nazair on his hands and knees, meowing, and everyone just cracking up drunk. I was like, you know what? This actually seems like a good time. Oh, yeah. I love when they lean into things like this that, yes, you would never see on another dating show, but that have great potential for hilarity. And they they all get pretty drunk. They're all drinking a lot of red wine, it looks like, or port. And Miss Remy is like, the parlor is like a modern-day club. That is cool. She's, She's having really just the time of her life. So charming. She's like, I'm here with my buddy Tessa, four <laughs> cute guys. Uh, and they're all pretending to meow they're all, in my face. Yeah, they're all pretending to be kitties. Yeah. But then, of course, they're like, okay, we did the Regency thing. Let's move on to some modern games, like Never Have I Ever. And honestly, I loved this because we got to find out some shit about these dudes. Yeah. Most of it was not that interesting to me, so I didn't write it down. <laughs> but we do get some real questions, most most notably. And this was like a setup by one of the guys. I think maybe it was Mr. Mumbre, who was basically like, Never Have I Ever Feared Commitment. And I was like, I don't ever? believe that, Mr. <laughs> like, Mumbre. <laughs> like, this isn't how the game works. They all seem to take that as, are you currently in right. a state of fear about committing to Nicole specifically? So all of them are like, nope. nope. And Mr. Chapman out here just being very honest. Slings back his whole whiskey. I mean, ugh. It wasn't tactical for him to do that. It was it was not tactical for him to reveal that in this moment. It was a really rude question <laughs> because it's not a good place to have that conversation. But also it's like, yeah, this show, like many reality shows, we talked about this with F-Boy Island, tends to treat the condition of being like prepared for or afraid of commitment as not only a binary condition, but one that is sort of inherent to who you are as a person. So it's like once you admit to having ever been afraid of commitment, you're admitting you to might being as well the leave. kind of guy who's afraid of commitment. And so that's just who you are. Yeah, it, it's basically admitting that you're there for the wrong reasons almost. Yeah, this is like, are you an F-boy? And Lincoln, you can't just admit that, buddy. Um, but he's like, this is a great way to do this. Mr. Chapman is a real front runner right now. Yeah. He and Nicole shared a very romantic evening together. She feels deeply connected to him. And so she certainly clocks that he is gulping down his drink at this question. She's yeah. like, okay, 
noting that for later, we're going to need to have a conversation. It seems like he did it in an especially like dramatic way so that she would see. He's like, this is the way to bring this up. I mean, he is on the verge of imploding throughout this episode. Like throughout, he's suddenly like, wait, I live in a van? I never go on more than four dates. He's telling Mr. Remy, like, my thing is like, I just have never been in a relationship of more than three days. So like, you know, normally that's what I do. And he's just he's like panicking. asking he's to get like, caught. Shit. Yeah. Shit. I'm on a dating show. Just realized uh, I actually am connecting with this person. Fuck. Yeah. I live in a van. He's like, I, I, I've mentioned a lot that I live in a van, but I don't think that I've really like really re- realized that I live in a van and Ms. Remy lives in a townhouse in Seattle and she wants a proposal at the end of this. And like those things are starting to seem incompatible. So he uses this moment. He's like, this is really going to initiate this important conversation between us. Ms. Remy is really bothered. She's shaken. She's like, I've been intimate with this person. He's never expressed any hesitation. And then he starts to to be like, I think I should probably be on the dance card. I, I don't want to change my lifestyle. I don't think I'll be ready for a proposal. Like, maybe I should just be on the dance card this week and we can talk about it on the dance floor. I was like, I'm sorry, you snuck into her room to hook up with her for a whole night. You didn't want to have that conversation. Now you want to talk about this very thorny problem during a public dance? You think that's going to resolve it? What's going on with him? I, I don't know. Is production just in his head? It's very odd. I have no idea what's going on. Um, I often feel like too much sort of happens off screen on this show or like doesn't really get drawn out. And this is one of those moments where I was like, they're mostly (laughs) just focused on the farewell ball. That is the center of the concept of the courtship. Yeah. They're like, we did that. We planned the choreography. (laughs) Haven't really thought about how the rest of the story is going to get told, but well, they'll fill it in. in Yeah. Hopefully it works out. The next day, the remaining four guys get to have a little group date of their own with the Remy family. They put on their tweed, they put on their newsy caps, and they go shooting clay pigeons. Ms. Remy is really struck by their sensual beauty and elegance. She compares them to Elmer Fudd, (laughs) and she seems really taken by it. This is also where we learn that Mrs. Remy is a sharpshooter. She was a doctor in the military, but she had to go through weapons training still. And so she's just out here, like, having the time of her life, like, hitting every single clay pigeon (laughs) while Mr. Cones is like, oh, no, I'm marrying into a family of snipers. He seems like, you know, he's scared, but he's also fascinated. He's impressed. (laughs) Yeah. No, he's, like, into it. He's, like, terrified in a good way. Um, And as they, as the men take their turns trying to shoot, um, Ms. Remy, a braver woman than I, decides to distract the men who are wielding firearms by asking them tough questions mid-shot. She's truly a strong, strong lady. And she asks, for example, Mr. Judge, if he take her last name. And he's like, no. Rude. Crossing Jesse off my list. Rude. Mr. Judge. I mean, look, there are definitely a lot of straight men who feel this way. But my my husband felt that way. And I I think we should be challenging this. I, I 
didn't I didn't let him off easy. I was like, Fallon's a great last name. You should be so lucky. Fallon is a great last name. It is. It is. I want to go full matriarchy. I think we should just fully reverse it. And that's just how I feel. But here's what I think. I think you're on this show. You know, you should be you should be buttering her up a little bit more. You should be like just be like I've that never would be thought a I would take a woman's last name. That's but, a conversation we but would have. For you, it's a conversation I would have. You know, exactly. Put a little, mm, a little Mr. Judge just panicked and was like, "No, God, a woman's name would never." <laughs> she asked Mr. Hunter if he's ever lived with a woman, and he kind of avoids answering for a little bit. He's like, "Like my sister," and finally he says, "Yes." And no Does other information. Not. Yeah. And she's like, oh, wow, I know, like, nothing about this guy. This is, ends up being a pattern with Mr. Hunter, where he just, like, drops little pieces of information, but also seems completely unwilling to really talk about anything with Ms. Remy. And I don't know if that's because of the cameras, potentially, but it is very odd. And this is something that keeps coming up. Yeah. Uh, like after this, he's like, that didn't really get me the personal one-on-one time that I wanted. So I'm going to make a bold move. I'm going to get some of that one-on-one time with Ms. Remy so we can build our relationship. So he surprises her with a bouquet of flowers as she's sitting, doing something, whatever Regency Who women Who doesn't do. love a bouquet of flowers? <laughs> <laughs> and she asks him about his past dating life because that's what she's been thinking about ever since this clay pigeon shooting adventure. And his face just kind of closes down. And then she asks if he's holding back and he just says, yeah. It's so weird. I'm like, it's not that crazy to be like, yeah, I lived with a girlfriend and that relationship ended. Like, you don't need to be like, here is all of the trauma or here's exactly what happened on camera. But it's very odd to go on a TV show and then be completely unwilling to say anything personal. It's very, so, like, to be so unprepared for how to address it. Right. Like, how to seem to address it without really addressing it. You know what I like, mean? Like, you should have thought about this ahead of time. You're on a dating show. Well, so he says in his interview, he's like, I came in ready to be vulnerable, but I take a while to open up. And, like... Here's what I'm thinking, though. It's not even that he doesn't tell Ms. Remy, which, you know, obviously he needs to um, to continue on the show. But, like, I guess I'm not used to something like this happening on a dating show. And then we don't even find out as the audience. No. Right? Like, there's no, like, in the moment or interview where he's saying, like, oh, you know, I, I lived with, you know, my the, the first woman I ever loved and it was so painful and, like, it's hard to even talk about how it ended. It's just, like, it just doesn't... And this is why I feel like it might be something to do with the cameras specifically, but then again, why are you on television on a dating show? Well, but also I'm just, like, is it that this show's producers are not doing their jobs enough? Or is it that just I'm used to these really... And, you know, I complain about this kind of um, aggressiveness on The Bachelor. I think people are really pushed to expose a lot that they might not be comfortable with. And so maybe it's just more humane producing. Maybe it is something really, really painful that he can't bring himself to talk about. But you know what? It does narratively make it a little bit um, hard to latch on to. It makes it really hard to connect with him. Yeah. And it also makes it basically impossible for him to really develop a relationship with Nicole. And I, I agree. I don't think people should be like 
squeezed for everything they're worth and made to, you know, re-traumatize themselves. But I think you kind of have to be prepared to give something because this is essentially a job you're doing. And the job is to be on a reality show that centers on romantic life. And so, like, I don't think, I think you can draw boundaries, but I do think you probably should think about how you want to at least allude to things that have have happened in your personal life. That's yeah. okay. We can move on now. That's all I'll say about that. But it just, it was a very, it, it was, was very odd. odd. And it was definitely something that I haven't seen on this kind of show before. But it was, it did feel very like, region, this is like the clenched fist, right? We're getting <laughs> it. Really it. Was. This is like the clenched fist moment. We're never going to find out what lies behind that clenched fist. I didn't <laughs> find it sexy enough though. It was. Well, that's the problem. It's actually hard to produce that kind of, uh, perfect repressed passion exactly. in the reality context. Um, Mr. Cones also needs a special moment with Ms. Remy to open up to her. So he brings her champagne while she sits by the lake. I love how they keep finding her in these different settings, just like sitting. And I have to assume that a producer is like, Mr. Cones would like to meet you. You'll be sitting on this blanket under this parasol. Yes, but we don't see that. It's just, <laughs> ah, Look at this picturesque setting. And she's like, this is how I was going to spend my morning, just sitting in a Regency-appropriate satin gown by the lake under a parasol, doing nothing. As you alone. do. Um, and so he sits with her, and she asks him how ready he is for a commitment, because now she's starting to realize maybe not everyone is. And he says that he's very serious, and so serious that he wants to show up as the most bare and like raw version of himself. And this is when he sort of comes out to Ms. Remy. He reveals that he considers himself sexually fluid and that it's not about gender for him. Like she could be the love of his life or maybe there could be, as he puts it, a dude out there who is the love of his life. He just wants to love who he loves, not worry about labels. And Ms. Remy is so sweet she beams she's like i really appreciate you opening up this way she ends up telling him sort of that when she thinks about having kids one day she hopes they won't have to like ever come out to her in a some sort of like big conversation it'll just be understood between them that they are who they are and that that will be completely open i and love he's so this touched moment. by this I love this moment so much. I love the connection between the two of them. I don't think that Mr. Cones is probably endgame, but I do feel like they have a really beautiful and deep friendship between them. And I just love watching this relationship play out. And I also think this is like an awesome way to include representation of varying sexual identities within the context of a show that is obviously very, like, centered on on a heterosexual pairing because that's how Ms. Remy identifies. And I feel like this is somehow something that The Bachelor has never been able to achieve, like, just having something be like, oh, well, this is just an aside about me and who I am. And, some, and the other person is like, that's great. That's cool. Okay, moving on. Continuing to focus on our connection. Like, on The Bachelor queerness of any kind when it comes up at all is always treated as this very dicey thing, this like big reveal, something to kind of be 
fetishized or danced around or teased at or winked at. And I love that this was just a conversation. And this is just another thing we're learning about Mr. Cones. And yeah. it really doesn't change anything else about his connection to to Nicole. He's really just becoming my favorite. Yeah. He has such like a kind soul. He does. And he he's he's really touched by how she received this information. They end up having a little kiss. And so this conversation goes much better than the conversation with Mr. Hunter. And then it's time for the farewell ball on the dance card are Mr. Chapman, Mr. Mumbre, Mr. Holland, and Mr. Hunter. Some of these, I, I would say a lot of these, maybe except for Mr. Mumbre, were all men I thought of as front runners. But then it's like a man will kind of like pop out as a sort of front runner. And then the next week it'll, will like fade back. Like it's hard to like almost to get a handle on who I keep is saying ahead. it's it's anyone's game because yeah. I feel like the rankings change really abruptly all the time and then someone will go home like this week Mr. Holland that I thought was at the top of the pack. Well see like I thought that he was a couple episodes ago and then I was like he really hasn't been like getting any That's true. more He had sort of uh faded into the background. He faded a little into the bit. background. But then, you know, Mr. Bohikia will fade into the background and then kind of reemerge a little bit, but it won't be as good as before. <laughs> you know, it's hard to get a handle on who she really it's is. It's hard to predict, of. which frankly is part of the fun and part of why I am now invested in this show. Now that we know some of these people a little bit better, finally, because I feel like I don't actually have a sense of how it's going to end. I'm, I'm That's into interesting. It. I feel like it's undermining my attachment because... It's hard for me to get invested in, in any, any of one the of the relationships. relationships. That's fair. Um, except maybe Mr. Chapman, because they have to build it up in order to put I'm it very through. invested in her relationship with Mr. Chapman, frankly. Yeah. Ms. Remy dances first with Mr. Mumbrae. She tells him that she thinks they're stuck in the friend zone. And he says, well, I, I disagree. I think we're more than friends, but we just need that time me to find out those little things like your favorite coffee and your favorite shop those things that traditionally spark a romantic connection yeah it was like unfortunately someone can bring me my favorite coffee and i still don't want to fuck them well this is the he's like he's getting it backwards and you know what it's fair he's never been in love but like when you feel that chemistry and that pull towards someone that passion it's like yes then you want to find out the little things that make up a life together like your favorite coffee and your favorite shop but you don't like kickstart the chemistry by finding out each other's favorite coffee like that that's the reverse like you feel the spark first and then you find out the favorite coffee uh, it's not enough to save him because nicole knows this as well and he is sent home Mr. Holland is next, and she has told him that she needs to see a more, like, fun, lighthearted side of him, which he has been doing, but she says she's still concerned about their compatibility, the difference in their senses of humor. We see a conversation before this with her mother where even her mother comments on this, on how different their senses of humor are, and he's like, no, I, I, I'm drawn to everything about you. I love your humor and your goofiness, and, like, I feel that you're the one for me. But she, she cannot she reciprocate that. She can't. And this is a ultimately a really sweet and respectful goodbye. And clearly, Mr. Holland is not only beloved by 
Ms. Remy in her court, but also by all of the men who like rush down from the balcony to <laughs> embrace him. It's very cute. Yeah. And then at the carriage, um, Ms. Remy walks him out, which she doesn't usually do. She walks him out to the carriage and gives him the red, like, caped greatcoat that he wore on their date where she compared him to the Duke of Hastings. So now he'll just have, have that, that for a future costume party. He'll put that in his special, <laughs> his special costume coat closet for, for a keepsake. And at this, everyone is just too emotional to continue. Ms. Remy re-enters, and she's like, Mr. Chapman, Mr. Hunter, please stay. I'd like you to stay. All right. <laughs> Great job, everyone. And Mr. Chapman ends the episode by really reinforcing to Ms. Remy's knowledge that he's not actually afraid of commitment and that he is ready to be with her because he tells her he's falling for her. And she says that it's the first time she can reciprocate someone saying that. So we know that something bad is going to happen. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're definitely getting that, uh, that sense of inten- impending doom that's building exactly. up from his, him privately in his interviews being like, I live in a van. I can't do this. What if I propose? And then two months later, I'm filled with resentment. And then to her being like, I'm crazy about you. <laughs> So it's not looking good. Um, But it is interesting. Either he is a great actor or he really does feel something real for her because I like she says, you know, she seems to feel the the real passion from him. and, And I feel it, too. Like, it seems very genuine. I don't think he's a liar. I just think that he didn't anticipate actually connecting with someone the way that he has and he's all of a sudden panicking because he realizes that committing to a relationship would require a pretty big change in his lifestyle and that's like that's a tough thing i feel like he's like the guy the lead of the movie who has just realized that like he's actually falling for the girl that he went on a date with for a bet yeah like she's gonna like find out and she's gonna be like it's all gonna be a bet (laughs) Am I just a fucking bet? And he's like, no, it started that way, but it's real. But I can't leave van life behind. It means too much to me. Exactly. Uh, And on that note, we will find out next week. And we are going to take a quick break before we get into Temptation Island. Can you keep up? I like We all want our cats happy and healthy because that makes us happy. But since we're not mind readers, we just don't always know when our pets are unwell. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra-absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell. Plus, Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. And the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can. I mean, three of the main annoying things about having cat litter in the house instantly made better by Pretty Litter. And here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes color to help monitor early signs of potential illness in cats, including urinary tract infections, and kidney issues. Our producer, Talon, is really excited to try Pretty Litter soon because he has two cats who have been using conventional litter. He was remembering that last year they had to delay a vacation because 
their cat started throwing up the morning they were leaving. And if they had had an early warning, they could have gotten her quicker medical attention and also not disrupted their plans as much. That's the kind of peace of mind that is really great to have as a pet owner. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on your cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash LTSI and use code LTSI to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash LTSI, code LTSI to save 20%. prettylitter.com slash LTSI, code LTSI. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Are you one of those people who thinks they don't have time to prioritize wellness? If so, Aloe Moves is here to change your whole mindset. From beginner to advanced, Aloe Moves has the flower class that will fit your whole schedule, even if your schedule is very complicated and ever-changing like mine is. And their classes range from five minutes to an hour, depending on what you're feeling that day, which is so convenient. They've got award-winning workouts like sweat-inducing yoga flows, hit classes, or reformer Pilates workouts. Truly, truly have it all. Because you can also find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, dry brushing, and journaling for those quieter moments. I am one of those people who really struggles to prioritize wellness. I did before I had kids, and now it's even harder because you're always doing pickup or drop-off. You're making a lunch. You're like dealing with some need that your children have or you're working. And Aloe Moves allows me to just fit those workouts in, in those spare moments when I find myself with an extra 30 minutes of time, I can do a yoga class. I can do something that gets my heart rate up and it really works with my lifestyle. So unlock your personal wellness routine with Aloe Moves. Go to alomoves.com now and use code LTSI20 for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's alomoves.com code LTSI20. alomoves.com code LTSI20. And we're back. Let's talk about Temptation Island, episode eight. Oh my God, I continue to be so invested in Temptation Island that I have been like watching these episodes live because I can't wait a minute. Wow, appointment television. I That's, know, it's I, shocking. When does it air? <laughs> At 10 p.m. on Wednesdays. Oh, that's past my bedtime. Mine too. I always end up... <laughs> up late just being like I need to see how who's my biggest enemy this week it's it's who's your biggest enemy this week let's start there oh god it's so hard it's like all the men except Luke now just like consistently yeah Yeah, you know what Uh, this week was tough but I think actually I think it was Hanya for me yeah I mean we start off with well, cells is, is still on a really bad trajectory. The yeah. cells is really no. You're I right. Know, it's all the men except it's for It's all Luke. of them. It's including all of them Tommy, Luke. by the way, and Deke. They're all on my shit list. I'm telling you, there's too many enemies. So we actually start with <laughs> a just cinematic the most scene. scene. Oh yeah, of Hanya. This is the like most annoying shit ever. Yeah, he's this just is why like, he's the top, top of my shit list right exactly. now. Exactly. This is like really sets the tone. He's just like caressing a photo of Ash saying, it's okay. I know you just couldn't find the words to say. And like, my dude, if 
Ash didn't send you a video message, maybe it's because they literally don't want to fucking take the time to talk to you and they are enraged. Yeah. It's, he doesn't consider this. There is like, oh my god, this scene. The this, the show does a great job too, like producing it with like the sad lady singer songwriter. It's so funny over over the scene, the birds chirping. But like, this is very stagey. I was like, you seem too aware of the fact that you're being filmed right now. For my, it is comfort. bizarre. Like, why would you agree to do this? Why do you think this would come off well in any capacity? Like, it's, would like, you do this if there weren't cameras? Would you sit alone in a room and caress a photo of your girlfriend just, and speak no, aloud to her and you, to them in a tremulous voice? I know you couldn't put the words. I, can't I get love over you, it. and I can't. I can't wait to see you. Like. I, he just seems so aware of of the, he is, the image and it's that he is that absolutely he's repellent. Ugh, it's infuriating, and like I have been getting more sympathetic, not to Hanya generally, but just like to the idea that he genuinely feels regret, that he genuinely loves Ash, and that it's been very painful. And then like it's a scene like this where I'm like, Ash is right; he's full of shit. Like this exactly. is all a performance. Oh, my God. I feel exactly the same way. Ugh. I don't know. So his his three comrades in arms enter the room and find him weeping onto a, a real paper photo of Ash and are like, oh, bro, talk to us, bro. What's wrong, bro? And Hanya says he didn't get a message and he doesn't know why. Maybe she's angry. Maybe she's embarrassed about what she did. And I'm like, oh, right. He thinks that Ash might feel bad about having sex with Taylor. He has no idea where Ash's like, life is at right now. LOL, no. Um, Meanwhile, Ash is, of course, just like, fuck Hanya and tells the other women, no video would have been better than the performative piece of shit he sent to them. Yeah. And I I understand. Like, it was... Uh, it was a bad video. It was a bad message. And especially given everything else they've been seeing from Hanya, that's a fair reaction. We see everyone sort of processing the videos that they did or didn't receive at the end of last week's episode. So Lascelles talks to Trace about seeing his girlfriend Ashley's video and is like, well, you know, it just made me think, like, I know I love Ashley. I want to keep her in my life in some capacity, like, make sure she's okay, like, as a friend. But, like, obviously, like, I'll continue to move forward and focus on my relationship with you. Trace and is Trace offended is like by this. Really, really wounded by this. Like, Trace, you, like, what kind of relationship do you expect to be in where this person, like, no longer ever gives one fuck about how his ex girlfriend of seven years? feels currently still and his cur- and current current like, girlfriend that t- and uh, it is so bizarre and really fundamentally immature to me like frankly i don't want to be with someone who is like fuck my ex well this is interesting because i do think that different people have very strong feelings about that i understand i'm like a pro keeping the the friendship person I only have one significant ex, but we're still on good terms. I think for other people, it's just like, why keep that door open? 
the kind of relationship you had was of a special kind and like that's over now like you should be focusing on blah blah that's fine everyone can have their own approach yeah. but he is still currently with ashley right i now. guess that's why it, <laughs> so. it struck me so much i was like this is not a crazy thing given that his relationship with ashley hasn't even actually ended and he's yeah. also saying i plan to move forward with you right Trace calls this a dagger in the heart. I was like, are we missing a lot? Because, like, it would make sense to me, I guess, for Trace to be like, you know, you're still with Ashley. This is a very complicated situation. But, like, for me in a relationship, like, I don't keep... I need there to be a boundary. I need there to be a boundary. I don't want to hang on to... It seems like a lot of Trace's boundary setting from what we see is done through just completely withdrawing whenever she hears something she doesn't enjoy hearing. And that doesn't seem super functional. And then meanwhile, LaSalle's is doing an insanely dysfunctional thing where he will just like wildly overcommit to Trace and then be like, I do still love Ash. Ash is my girlfriend of many years. I'm just gonna, you know, remind everyone that I love Ash, but also Ash is garbage and in the past. Like, it's just very confusing for Trace, obviously, and yeah, th- this relationship is doing? just a mess. And I think LaSalle's needs to, like, take some time alone. He definitely needs to take some time to figure out how to handle himself. Exactly. Like, he is promising Trace wild shit. And he still has not broken up with Ashley. And he is promising Trace that she's going to meet his mom and they're going to, like, be together forever. <laughs> build an empire it it all makes me deeply uncomfortable and this is why he continues to be on my list of enemies yeah whenever i talk about their relationship i'm just like here's how lascelles is making trace feel confused and and crazy and then here's how trace is, is like handling like i don't think either of them is handling it great but i do think that he is definitely like putting trace in a position to feel like the only one in many ways. Yeah. Like, and, even though and that's obviously not accurate. Even though that's not the case and it can't be the case. I just <sighs> keep feeling really sad for Ashley, who still seems to be holding on to the idea that she wants to potentially work things out with LaSalle's. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm bummed for her. Like to see what she keeps seeing during bonfire nights is, it just feels really cruel. Yeah. I don't see how it's really, well, you know, growing pains and pain brings clarity and maybe she just needs to Mark, slowly see herself committing to another woman in order More to pain. break up with him. You have to oh. feed Mark's like creepy stare. He <laughs> thrives on pain. Oh, it's just so rough. I mean, so Trace ends up telling him like, you know, you say you love me, but you're still pushing me away. I'm confused. I've made myself so vulnerable to you. And Sells is like, you know, I've put up boundaries that have hurt our relationship. I'm not going to do that anymore. Time for us to co-sleep. <laughs> like, at every turn, he's just making the most, like, poorly thought through <laughs> decision of all the decisions he could be making. Uh, in the women's villa, uh, Jillian just seems relieved. She's like, I'm glad Edgar and I both seem to mutually realize that we need to be done. Yeah. Which, fair enough. They, I think they do need to be done. Yeah. Um, Deke has also just become kind of Iris's, like, frat bro 
relationship I was gonna guru. Say, like everything he says is like, bro. that guy's a beta. You're a dime. You sh- shouldn't settle for Ugh. a chump change. Like this guy should not be <laughs> teaching anyone how to handle their relationships. Um, it's very like 2004. Um, and then there are some dates, I guess. The way the show handles dates is they just don't tell you. They don't make a big ceremony out of, and now they're all going to go on dates. They just suddenly seem to be in settings one-on-one where they're clearly on a date. <laughs> I feel like what we learn from these dates, we learn a few big things. One is that, like, everyone kind of seems to recognize that, like, Luke is on the pathway to getting back with Iris, hopefully. Like, he goes on a date with Juicy and it seems very kind of friend vibes and they toast to the new loyal Luke. Um, and I feel like that's almost why Deke has been brought in because just I like there needs to be some sort of roadblock in Iris and Luke's relationship because they seem to be the most functional at this point. So Deke's yeah. just like, let me talk to you about beta males. Um, we also, I'm trying to think, what are the other, like, big takeaways from, from these dates? Ash takes Taylor to cleanse by making sage bundles and then burning them. And this is just a, I thought, a telling moment in their relationship dynamic for me, because I've never quite understood what their connection point is or, like, their dynamic together. And there's this moment where Ash asks him what he wants to cleanse, and he says, I want to cleanse my soul in a way where he's not really hiding how ludicrous he thinks this is or like how not seriously he's taking it and obviously ash takes everything seriously oh yeah ash just completely goes with it and is like yes you want to cleanse all the negativity holding you back in your soul absolutely yes uh, this is just <laughs> i don't know i don't also, know if like, i see a future with them but i am just happy for ash that they are uh getting out of hanya's orbit through this relationship edgar is like going full steam ahead at this point with marissa yeah he tells marissa that he's going to pick her at the end so there it is and there it is i i hope this all wraps up soon because it seems like a lot of things are getting decided uh lascelles tells trace she's one of his favorite people of all time second only to his mother and then he's like you should meet whenever whenever you're ready Oh, God. Enemies. Again, enemies. Yeah. Meanwhile, Jillian Tommy, and Tommy. Oh, he is just like. They are doing this little. options open. This little dance that's like, yeah, I'm into you, but I'm not going to commit to you. But oh, it just it just really reminds me of relationships that I had like at summer camp in high school where I was like, if I'm chill enough, they'll commit. And it's like, reader, they, they never commit. The, I mean, this is her getting a real taste of what it's going to be like to be dating on the apps when she leaves <laughs> the show single. Like, she, she, she's trying to prompt him to be like, we'll stay in touch. She's like, I'll miss you after the show. And he's like, yeah, it was just like be in the moment. Like, I love being around you and going on these dates. But like outside of this, there's a lot of big things that I can't really get around. And I'm like, yeah, the fact that you're going to want to get with all the hotties in your DMs. Like, obviously, like he's not trying to leave in a relationship whatsoever. He's like, long distance not. is like he has made I'm that never doing long distance again. Very clear. Poor Jillian. Um, After their dates, Trace and LaSalle's just continue down a fucking speedy path path towards like soulmate dumb and are just like i'm i'm they're exchanging i love yous 
Yeah, it's because he's Lascelles told her. is still her, in a fucking relationship. I'm, gonna, I'm losing my mind. He said it a few times. No, he's like, the one doing this. And then, so he tells her he loves her, and she responds, I love you too. And he's and, like, oh, she said like, it, she said it. Said oh, it. my God. I knew you felt it, but she finally said it. And then he, like, tells some of the other girls, and he's celebrating with the other girls, and they ask, well, how do you think Ashley will take it? And he's like, you know... I don't know. It's hard. Like, I I love Ashley. She's been inspiration to me in my life. I want to stay friends with her. Trace, like, overhears this and, like, goes into another tailspin. And Everything about this dynamic is so dysfunctional. I just need them working. all to go to their separate corners, go to some therapy, <laughs> and enjoy all living your separate lives. <laughs> Yeah, so she sits him down and is like, you should have told me that given the situation, we need to take it slow. And I would have maturely accepted that. But I can't accept someone saying they love me and want to meet my family if I feel like that's not true. Okay. This is a a good point. One is, I don't think she would have maturely accepted that because when things were at all open-ended with LaSalle's, she also got very upset and was like, I can't handle this. I need you to commit. And then once he committed, she was like, you shouldn't have committed. On the other hand, Trace She's is right. right that he shouldn't be saying all this shit when it's clearly not something he's prepared to truthfully say. The, this relationship is just a complete mess, and I feel like everyone involved is headed for an implosion. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Justice for Alexa. She Her motives were wrong, but she was right that this relationship was not going to go well. <laughs> Her motives were she just wanted LaSalle's to pick her instead. But but there was a kernel of truth in her observations, despite them being very selfishly motivated. <laughs> uh, so LaSalle's is like, well, I love you, Trace. I can't lose Trace, but I do love Ashley. So I'm just trying to do this in a smart way without hurting anyone. I'm like, you're doing this in the worst possible way. Like, I just don't see a worse way to do this. Like, all around you you're going, are... You're hurting everyone. People who are slowly... Like, Edgar is, like, basically now committed to Marissa. And not saying that Edgar did an incredible job. But okay. at least Let's he's, not, like... At least he's not being like, I love you so much. I want you to meet my mom. Like, yeah. there, there are levels here. Also, I feel like Edgar and Jillian kind of came into this whole thing, like, closer to a breakup. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, it it just seems like a very a very uh, mutually dysfunctional dynamic. I I just I, I just need to get to the the final bonfire so I can see Lascelles actually have to confront Ashley Same. in person. I think he's really thriving in just completely compartmentalizing and like barely oh, yeah. remembering that he has this relationship or that he and Ashley have like completely intertwined lives and have for almost a de- a decade. He's just, like, making decisions as if he'll never have to deal with that, as if that relationship never existed, and he doesn't have a care in the world. I think it's true that he is absolutely, like, setting certain boundaries that he thinks are all he needs to do in order to protect Ashley and maintain that respect. Like, being like, oh, I'm not going to have sex with Trace, or I'm not going to, like, sleep in the bed with Trace. And it's like, okay, but, like, the fact that you don't seem to remember Ashley's existence unless you are explicitly reminded of it. Like, in some ways, it's actually <laughs> worse it's worse. to watch him say, Ashley's in the past. I'm in love with you. Like, that right. is worse than watching someone have sex, in my opinion. Right. It's like, what do you think you're really preserving in terms of respect and care for, for Ashley if you are 
not sleeping in the bed with Trace, but you are saying to Trace, Ashley is in the past. I'm in love with you. You're my favorite person next to my mom. Like, the, there's no, there's no respect held in the the sleeping in the same bed relationship that is greater and supersedes the respect of of talking about your partner as if you consider them a person with feelings who Ugh. continues to exist it's just so bad i would be mad if i was dead and i from the grave saw my husband talk about me like that to be honest oh claire's in the past i'm sorry Fuck you. excuse me my memory will always be alive with you <laughs> You're like, my memory, my spirit is present. I will haunt you now. Uh, then uh, we see uh, at the girls' villa, just a, a party. That's like the big event in the girls' villa this week. Deke is taking the reins as party planner and gives a speech that I just have to read. They call me Denim Deke. I got the green, okay? Every other party has been dog water. This party is going to be bananas, bonkers, off the wall. I'm talking a vibe by itself. I'm talking splits. I'm talking jello shots. I just want to say there have been a lot of splits and jello shots before he showed up, but congrats He's on inventing full, jello shots. Full Deke. responsibility. He's like, no one's ever heard of a jello shot. And thank God I'm here. I will say this is the first time I'm seeing a man wearing his hair in like five tiny pigtails as well as denim later hosen. That, that is part I'm here Deke. for. Yeah. He's an innovator. <laughs> I'm seeing now what kind of persona he must have on on uh, on social media that like Iris is drawn to, and like I'm not, but like I'm not everyone. Some people are into this this sort of vibe. During the party, Jillian and Tommy are just like being super messy and all over each other, and we're seeing that they're just now falling into this like different kind of toxic dynamic than Lascelles and Trace. Where, like, he's just, like, keeping her on the hook. And it's clear that, like, she wants more from this than he's going to give. And so then they have these, like, passionate interludes. And then the next day he's going to be like, you know, it's cool we're hanging out. And, like, I'm going to leave. There's just, like, a lot of things in my life that I got to deal with. And are you even ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to be the kind of woman that I need, Jillian? (laughs) And she tells him at one point they're making out and like smearing paint everywhere and spilling red wine on the chairs. And she's like, you torture me. And he says, sorry, you're used to a pussy in your life. Any man throws around the term pussy pejoratively in their like daily language. Just no, that's a no from me. It's really that's that's a that's a red flag for uh some some misogynistic viewpoints for me but amazingly they cut to jillian doing an in the moment after this and i thought it was going to be her being like oh i didn't really like hearing him talk about edgar that way or whatever and said she's like he's so perfect i wish everything he did wasn't so perfect and i was like he's doing some not perfect shit like whenever i look at him so maybe jillian is 21 Jillian is 21. Oh, yeah. I have to say, like, almost anything a guy does seems perfect when you're 21 and wasted. Exactly. Uh, Ash is backsliding emotionally. Um, They start telling Taylor repeatedly that they just worry that Hanya is the only person who will never leave them. This made me really sad. It made me very sad. And also, I was like, where did this come from? Like, we just get these little glimpses of it. 
I wonder if they're worried that they're not endgame with Taylor. I, I don't know. Yeah. Part of me felt Either- like it was perhaps a prompt to Taylor to be like, you, I won't leave you. Or like, you know, I don't understand why any guy would ever leave you. You're so blah, blah, blah. But Taylor's method of responding to this typically seems to be more like, Hanya sucks. Hanya's playing a game with you. And I think that maybe what Ash is hearing from that is just, Hanya isn't the only one who won't leave. No one won't leave. <laughs> you found the one guy who won't leave, but he's he's going to leave you too. Right. I don't think it's the kind of reassurance that Ash wanted. And then, of course, Taylor's getting emo because they don't like he doesn't like to hear this from Ash confiding in apparently his bestie Jillian about about how they're both in this emotional limbo and like I just it's weird I just don't know where Taylor's at emotionally I do think that Ash wants Taylor to like commit and for there to be like a clear like we can leave together thing but neither of them is really saying that and I and then I, I also no keep remembering Taylor that Taylor is 24 yeah I don't know I mean, that wouldn't seem so young to me. It's just that it goes along with his general, like, himbo vibe where I'm just, That's like, what I mean. he's just, like, there to, like, chill. And, like, this hot person But he also seems genuinely, like, sure. genuinely hurt. Right. It really, that whole thing kind of threw me for a loop. I still don't know what's going on between the two of them. And on that <laughs> ambiguous note, we get the last bonfire night before the decision bonfire night. The boys go first. Luke sees Iris talking with Deke about maybe leaving on her own if Luke can't get his shit together. And then Deke talking shit with one of the other guys about how Luke is a fucking beta for having Iris split the check when he makes lots of money. To me, this just was an indication that they are like scraping the barrel with footage to torture. Yeah, like that's not even Iris doing anything. It's just some other guy being a fucking dick. And Luke responds appropriately. He's like, um, okay, well, can't wait for Iris to see my growth. Yeah, don't care. Moving about on. Don't care what? about these random assholes that I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it's not fun to see. But yeah, it's not really relevant to their relationship. Like the fact that Deke is saying like, oh, Luke is a beta for making Iris split the check. That doesn't mean that Iris thinks he's a beta. You know, like it doesn't really say anything about what Iris thinks, except that she has shared the fact of it with them. Right. Um, and I have to say, any guy again who's going around calling other guys betas, red is, flag, major red oh, flag. The more I see of Deke, the more I'm like, maybe Luke's not so bad. I <laughs> exactly. I the new loyal Luke. <laughs> uh, LaSalle sees Ashley telling Blake he can kiss her, and then their first kiss. And LaSalle's is like, good for her. And I Mark- feel like this is, I feel like it would have been smarter. Or I, not smarter. I don't understand why the clips that LaSalle is, is seeing of Ashley are only these like random lukewarm ones of her and Blake. Like it almost would have been more painful and it like elicited something more interesting for from him to show her. Emotionally reacting em- to the yeah. shit he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I I feel like this was an interesting choice because then Mark goes on to say, you seem happy. The only reason that I can think of that you would be happy after seeing this is if you've fallen in love with someone else. Mark already knows this because they talked about it last week, which means that to me, they picked a clip that would set up 
not yeah, a conversation, conversation that's like you're really hurting Ashley, but a conversation that's like let's talk more about, about how you Trace. and Trace are progressing. Yeah. But at least you know, Mark does take the opportunity to be like you say you still love Ashley too. This is a mixed message. That's not good for respecting both of these women. And this Can is you a moment who that, you're in love with. Frankly, I am I am on Mark's side. This for was once. some for once, he's giving some good advice, which is get your shit together, LaSalle's. But then it's like, is it really respectful to both women now to be sitting here at a bonfire being like, yes, thank you. Now that you've asked, I have love for my girlfriend that I'm basically still with. And I'm in love with this other woman who I've made many commitments to that I just met. It's, it's not cutting it for me, but at least we've Same. made some progress. It also just like... Until LaSalle's is comfortable clearly distinguishing between these things without prompting, again, he needs to be single for a while. Hanya sees Taylor serenading Ash with that terrible Jack Johnson song. And honestly, if I were Hanya and I saw this, I would feel amazing. Yeah, I'd be like, like, she's the lamest shit I've ever seen. (laughs) I could be seeing them having sex again. I could be seeing them like saying, I love you or I I don't, I never loved Tanya. Really, it was all an illusion. All things that it seems like are very plausible for Ash to say. And instead, he's seeing Ash being subjected to something (laughs) that no one over the age of 20 really wants a partner to do to them, I believe. But he's still very, the emotions are very close to the surface. He's still, he starts crying. And is like, I'm so in love with Ash. I know now that I need to work on listening to Ash. And Mark is like, do you feel like maybe you never really listened when Ash gave you feedback, but just spun it? And Hanya was like, yes, I write people's, I take their words and I write their stories for them. Well, that's a bad quality. And I didn't <laughs> want to be with you either, Hanya, frankly. Um, and... Edgar sees Jillian showering with Tommy, possibly giving him a blowjob, it looks like, something like that. Oh, I honestly couldn't tell what was going on. That was my impression. It's not super clear, but just the positioning of Tommy. Um, Anyway, relevant because Edgar's reaction is like, well, don't like it, but I can't be a hypocrite because I've been that intimate with Marissa, who is wonderful, and I'm feeling so much for her. And I really, like, in this moment... I was like, I appreciate that he's like, I'm not going to be a hypocrite, but it really pissed me off on another level because I was like, he just like had to be the one to do the worst thing first in order to like feel in control of the situation again. Yeah. And now he's like, oh, I'm fine. Like before yeah. he, every time Jillian did anything, he was like, that they had agreed on. Hurts to love her. Right. Jillian was doing stuff that they had agreed on, and he was, like, really, really being a dick about it. And then he's like, well, I fucked first. Edgar remains on my shit list. He's too far gone. Yeah, he's like, now I'm superior. Yeah. I'm in control. (laughs) I have a new woman on which to pin all of my hopes and dreams on. Lucky Marissa. Uh, Next, it's the girls' bonfire. Iris, again, sees Luke complaining to Paige about how he's bothered, that she's still bothered about the past, and that he wants validation that he's doing better. He's earned her trust. He wants a clean slate. He wants her to never bring up the many, many times that he has flirted with other girls on text again. 
Luke. <laughs> like that's it's a little more complicated than that. He's literally like, I'm not gonna fuck anyone this whole time. Like, isn't that enough? Like, give me a gold star. I want validation for finally, for a brief period of time, meeting the baseline level of requirement for being in a monogamous relationship. And Iris is like, well, I guess I could give him more validation, but also he needs to take more accountability. These are just genuinely two people who are thinking about like, what are the steps we need to take to like to get fix back together? This. Yeah, exactly. Even if they're not always making the greatest strides in that direction, it is their <laughs> primary focus. Ash is next and seems more calm this week. And Mark says, look, you smile and you welcome it now. So this creepy. creepy as fuck. Mark. Like, why would you say You that? welcome the pain. <laughs> welcome to my lair. It's like, look, we've broken your spirit, haven't we? <laughs> and this is when, of course, Ash sees that insane clip <laughs> of Anya talking to their photo and weeping. It's interesting that Ash is less pissed off about the performativeness than the video message. And maybe just because in this context, Ash is not expecting to see anything flattering. And in the video message, they were actually hoping for more. This seems yeah. so much more performative. Or I guess it wasn't performative in a way that bothered me more than the video message where I was like, I get that you kind of want to be prepared. Um, but like Ash takes this in stride and is like, yeah, I don't feel bad because this consideration about how it would affect the other person was not given to me in our relationship. Good point. And when I see Hanya, I want to ask Hanya, why did there need to be other women? And, and this is when Mark really takes his <laughs> opportunity. He's like, I am your guru. Let us chant together. I'm worthy of love. I'm not someone that gets cheated on. And I was what? like, okay, the second part, I'm like, first part on board with. Second part, what the fuck are you talking about? It's not like a type of person. It, right. He's almost reinforcing the idea that it is some sort of character flaw if someone right. betrays your trust. I'm this like, it actually has nothing to mantra. do with you. Yeah, it truly is like a mantra that's like, I'm not someone that gets cheated on, gets cheated on fuck like what now like yeah what now if i, I do yeah uh mark, mark stop he, he dial know. it back he doesn't know um ashley then sees lasalle's telling trace that her passion and drive inspires him to work harder and that he's excited to have a partner who pushes him to strive for greatness every day and she also sees the two of them exchanging i love you's and lasalle's hugging trace and being like i knew you felt it and kissing her poor ashley this is just this is the most fucking brutal yeah ashley is getting pummeled she's getting pummeled every week and she is like yeah looking at this and hearing this makes me feel like our seven years together wasn't real i feel she says she feels disrespected hurt and mad which fair emotions all around and she just starts crying and the other women do a really sweet thing and they like surround her and embrace her and yeah I love it. Jillian sees Edgar and Marissa talking about their relationship and how he wants to pick her at the end if Marissa is willing to be picked. And Marissa is like, yeah. And that and part of it, Jillian is like, fine with. Yeah. Smiling, calm. That is Jillian's general approach is to like smile and be calm, but like clearly is able to take this in stride. Yeah. 
And then it cuts to Edgar having sex with Marissa and Jillian is no longer calm. All of the women are just mouth agape. Yeah, mouths on the floor. Like just absolutely like, shook. This Jillian is the first is just time like, seeing fuck? one of what the guys the fuck? having sex, I think. Yeah, because I had forgotten that the only other like really explicit footage that we've seen is of Ash and Taylor. Yeah. So... And for, like, all the previous clips were of Edgar being like, Jillian, I hate you because I love you. And, like, it's not fair what you're doing to me. Jillian, why? And then suddenly he's like, and now I'm having sex with my new girlfriend. It's like, what the fuck happened? It's just it must be understandably a lot. And that is where we leave, leave this episode. Jillian saying, holy shit, I'm literally shaking. That is crazy. I agree. What and happened to our sweet, gentle Edgar? He's come Ugh. so far. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. In so many ways. What a week. Can't wait to find out what happens on the island after this revelation. How many episodes are left? I thought there were like four, but they're not going to have another bonfire until the final bonfire. So I'm like, what's going to happen? I don't know. This is where it probably would have helped me to familiarize myself with the structure of the show (laughs) before we started recapping it. But here we are. Uh, I almost prefer not to know. I'm just like, hmm. Maybe wonder what will happen. We have no idea. Anyway, signing off as your Temptation Island expert. We'll keep talking about this show (laughs) until it ends. And you're alongside us for this journey. And on that note, that's it for Love to See It with Emma and Claire. Thanks so much to our guest, Zachary Reality. You can find him on TikTok and Instagram. Love to See It is produced by us, Claire Fallon and Emma Gray and Stitcher. This episode was edited by Corinne Wallace. Our theme music is by Tamar Haviv and our art is by Celine Chang. Josephine Martirana is our executive producer. If you like our show, please, please, please rate us five stars and leave a review. And of course, help us spread the word about our show. This really, really helps other people find our show, especially anyone who used to listen to us as Here to Make Friends. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at claireandemmapod at gmail.com with your questions, voice memos, and suggestions for shows you'd like to see us cover in The Bachelor offseason. You can also find us on Twitter and TikTok at Love to See It Pod and Instagram at Claire and Emma Pod. And you can find our newsletter, Rich Text, on Substack at ClaireandEmma.substack.com. We just released a subscribers only podcast about selling Sunset, and we do have another one coming about the reunion later this week, so stay tuned. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at Emma Lady Rose. And I'm at Claire E. Fallon. We'll be back next week with more gossip and more on the courtship and Temptation Island. Stitcher. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. In a fast-paced world, Every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, 
we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.